This is Gardening Talkback. Your calls are very welcome on 49216216. Julie from Gilliston Heights. Hello, Julie. Hello. Two quick questions, David. Um, how and when to prune a mandarin tree? Mm-hmm. It's three years old and has had an abundance of fruit. It's a beautiful tree, but it's getting a bit big. And the other thing is I've got those horrible white grubs in my garden, in my lawn. They've eaten all my rhubarb. The ones under the ground that Mm -hmm. come up and eat the roots. Okay. Well, let's start off with the mandarin tree, first of all. I mean, the main best time for pruning those is late winter, early spring. Mm -hmm. You can cut them back as much as you like or as little as you like. So it's Mm -hmm. entirely up to you. Mm -hmm. Remembering the further you cut it back, uh, you'll probably find the less fruit you will actually get this season. Because they also flower around that time, you're basically cutting all the flowering wood off. So you may actually miss that season's fruiting for that season. So mm-hmm. uh, just keeping that in mind. But yes, yeah, certainly once you've done that, just make sure you feed it well with a very good citrus fertiliser, particularly when it's in the ground. Make sure you use the true citrus fertiliser. Make sure you water that in well. And even just throw some cow manure around underneath it as well, because that will certainly promote it back into growth and even into flower if you're very very lucky okay the white curl grubs Mm -hmm. the other question that you asked look they are around but they are in their sleeping mode at the moment so therefore they do not do any damage during the winter months because the ground is far too cold for them Mm -hmm. so as long as you know that they're there you will really start treating those once we get into october Mm -hmm. because the weather is warming up and also the ground is starting to warm up then so basically what you need to use is a product called conquer Mm-hmm. or Confidor is the other brand name. Mm-hmm. And you'll need to mix that up according to directions and water that over the area that you know that the curl grubs are in. It will actually kill them underneath the ground. They won't mm-hmm. come to the surface. Okay. And certainly if you've got pots and things, it's always a good idea to do those as well to make sure that you actually get on top of those curl grubs. Because, yes, yes they do they eat... through the garden because uh, I just dug up the other day and they ate all the rhubarb. Yes. We wondered why it was dying. Yes. Well, as I said, that damage may be done early in the season it Mm -hmm. normally isn't done during the winter when the ground is very cold Okay. All right. So let's get rid of those curl grubs. They're dreadful things. They're absolutely terrible things, curl grubs. They do so much damage in the garden. And, Jane, you don't know they're there. You really do not know they're there until a plant just suddenly dies. You pull the plant up and it's got no root system because they just munch away at the root system. Gardening Talkback is the program, and David Peterson, very happy to take your calls on 49216216. Kathy from Millfield. Hello, Kathy. Oh, hello. Great. Thank you. Oh. Um, I've actually got another citrus question, sorry. Certainly. Um, I bought a property uh, six months ago, and it's got a lovely old lemon tree, which is only about a metre and a half high, but it's got really old citrus gall wasp um, swellings right down the, the branches. Mm-hmm. So if I prune them off, I basically prune the tree mm-hmm. off. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, Kathy, that's the only remedy for gall wasp is to actually cut it out of the tree because you can leave one swollen section there and the gall wasp will just keep on breeding and swelling all of those sections up again. They return to the old swellings as well. They don't just build new ones. Well, they will build new ones, but you don't know for sure that they aren't still in those old ones that are there. So that's what I'm saying. You've really got to cut all the swellings out. Make sure you put those in a plastic bag, seal it and throw it away. Don't even just throw it in the the bin just as they are because they can escape from there and, of course, go back to the tree again. So you must actually put them in a sealed bag. 
plastic thing and then put them into the whiz bin so that you know for sure that you're going to get rid of them. It is a devilish thing. And I mean, of course, if you've got more than one citrus tree, it can spread fairly easily throughout your citrus trees. So as I said, cut them off. Make sure, I mean, look, the citrus will shoot out of fairly old wood. So even if you've just got old okay. wood left there, it'll shoot out again. What you're going to be best to do once you've done that is feed the tree up with a really good citrus fertiliser mm -hmm. and it will certainly shoot back into life once we get back into the springtime again. Okay, well, thank you for that. I'll, I'll go and uh, prune it considerably. Okay. <laughs> Off with the shears. And uh, Richard joins us now from Raymond Terrace. Hello, Richard. Hello, David. How are you? Good, mate? thank you. That's good. Got a little problem with my lawn. That's my front lawn, which is north-facing. Doesn't get a lot of uh, winter sun. And there's a few trees that create a bit of canopy cover there. The lawn is very patchy and got a lot of moss growing. How do I solve the moss problem? Okay. Well, sometimes when you get moss growing over lawn, it just means that the saw can sometimes be a little bit on the sour side. Some simple remedy is just by sprinkling the lawn with some garden lime. And that will sweeten oh. the soil. And sometimes you'll find that the moss will just disappear. There are other products that you can actually get in the garden centre, basically designed for getting rid of moss but I would certainly try the lime first the other thing is too Richard first before you do that just get a normal grass rake and just rake over the grass so you're actually breaking up the moss to begin with and then when you sprinkle the lime on it gets down into the soil much easier and sweetens the soil and you shouldn't have it growing back if it does tend to grow back you may have to go into your local garden centre and they will recommend uh, one of the elements the trace elements for putting onto the lawn and that's another moss killer as well but as I said I would certainly start with the garden lime. All right, no worries. Thank right. you very much. Thank you. Well done, Richard. Off on his quest. And Sheridan now from Merriweather. Hello, Sheridan. Hi. Um, David, I wanted to ask, I've, um, actually not at Merriweather, but at my brother's property, I've got this giant plant. I think it's a haliconia, but it's. Um, I can't find its colour in any pictures on the web. It's got like a, the black Brachus, or whatever they call that, mm -hmm. Brax with the white. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a trunk that's almost like a palm. Mm -hmm. Two things I wanted to ask is, if you have any idea what it is, and number two, <laughs> if you can, in fact, transplant that sort of plant very easily. I was just trying to visualise it as you were giving me the description, but really when you first mentioned Heliconia, of course the first thing that pops into my head is the bird of paradise flower, which of course resembles the Heliconia anyway. So yeah. does it resemble a bird of paradise flower? No, I know I know okay. what those ones are. Yes. And and the fact is that it's got it's black with this white, you know, tufty bit that comes yes. out the top. Right. So it is that shape of a flower, well, a flower. Um uh but its trunk is almost um uh, as I say, almost palm-like, and its leaves are the banana. Mm. That's I, what made me think it's a haliconia that yes. I can't find a picture of it with that black sort of brackets anywhere. Mm. Black, I, I, I think the only it. thing to do is if you can try and send me a picture of it so that I can identify it by a picture, I think that's the only way we're going to be able to do that. Right, right. And it's quite big and established, but he's eventually going to have that house knocked down. And yes. it's like, I haven't seen another one 
like it. Mm. So I sort of thought, mm, can I dig it up and take it away? Yes. But it, it's big. It's tree size, you okay. know, banana tree size. Well, it would be very interesting but, to actually see what it is. So, I mean, I think if you, as I said, if you send me an email, uh, gardening. Yeah. I think it's gardening. Gardening at 2NURFM.com. <laughs> so, got that? Gardening at 2NURFM.com. FM.com. FM. Great. Yes. Thanks. David will do that then. Thanks, Sheridan. And he Thank looks you. forward to it, Sheridan, as well. Ingrid now. Hel- um, hello, Ingrid from Hel- Bolton Point. Hello, Ingrid. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, th- similar problem to what that man from, I think it was Madawi, the dampness problem and no sun. Oh, okay, yes. Yep. We've got a sort of a patch out the front, which is just probably about, well, it would be due south, which doesn't get any sun at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're building some stairs there at the moment so that we can get out of the house. Oh, which right. in, <laughs> no, we're renovating. Okay. Um, so in October, our daughter will be getting married and she'll be coming down those stairs. I wanted to put something there, um, some flowers, just so that it's a little bit colourful for photos yep. and things. Okay. I was thinking maybe if I just get some pots and grow some, say, purple petunias out the back and then shift them round the front. Uh, but my main question was, will a tibetina grow in the shade? No, it won't. It requires as oh. much sun as possible, at least half a day sun. Certainly okay. if you're wanting things to grow in, in that sort of spot, I would be looking at things like camellias or azaleas or even gardenias will take to that sort of position quite well. Okay. Now, with the gardenias, they do normally flower in spring, which may extend through into October anyway. Yeah. Uh, as far as the annuals go, certainly it's just a little bit early to put in your summer annuals as we class them as at the moment. You're still putting in your spring annuals, so therefore, yep. once again, it's a, it's a hit and miss thing with this timing yeah. right, as you can probably appreciate. Yep. Certainly with a lot of the spring flowering things, which we're still putting in at the moment, they may be still in flower at that time of the year. And one perfect thing for that spot is primulas. They give the most magnificent show. Um, So if you go past the nursery, you'll actually see white primulas just starting to flower. And that's the sort of show you will actually get. And they really are quite spectacular. Even in October? Yes, even in October. That's because that's still classed as spring. Spring is actually September, October, November. So therefore, I mean, if you give yourself at least six to eight weeks or two months um, from planting to flowering, you should have them in full flower by that length of time. Okay. All right. Yep, I'll do that. Okay. I've got a few big pots of um, daffodils and... They will be finished. They'll be fine. Yes, Yes, they'll be finished by then uh, because they flower very, very early spring, even late late winter that they flower. So they probably will be finished by that time. So that's why I say you'll probably be best to, as a standby, to work on annuals like your primulas that will still be in flower by then. This is Gardening Talkback. David Peterson taking your calls on 2NURFM. And Judy's rung in now from Dungog. Hello, Judy. Hello, David. Just a, a quick question that you might be able to help me. Um, with my roses that bloom beautifully, um, finishing up with a lot of black spot, mm-hmm. and now they've all the leaves have dropped, and just wondering, should I spray the ground before um, I remulch and, and fertilise 
into the new season. Okay, so you haven't pruned your roses back yet? Not yet. I usually because of the frost. Yes, wait. that's a very good uh, good point. I mean, as I said, you can leave them as late as possible, even into August, if you really yes. want to. Yes. Certainly, I'd be cleaning up all of that um, uh, disease material underneath because, okay. once again, they do harbour disease, even though we're into the cooler months now and the temperature sometimes kills off the fungal disease. It's probably oh, done as a precaution. That will be good, yes. yes. So, so then, of course, you you can mulch, but otherwise you can leave it until you actually prune your roses. That way you can then spray your roses with lime sulphur. Re- okay. Remembering the lime sulphur seals all the cuts that you've made and also kills any scar that may be still on the stems that are left on the plant. So that's oh. why we, we spray them with lime sulphur. And that way you spray the soil as well in case there's any disease on the soil. So, with the lime sulphur? Yep, with the lime sulphur. Oh, that's easy. Thank you. Yes. And then, then I would go ahead and feed and mulch, and it's all done for the season then. Yes. Should I leave a little bit of time between the lime sulphur and then the feeding? Not at all. You can Just do that, that all on the one day if you wish. You can do the lime sulphuring, the feeding, and the mulching if you're really energetic. <laughs> yes, that sounds good. Thank you, David, very much. You're welcome. To NURFM, it's 21 to 1, and it's Gardening Talk Back on 2NURFM. David Peterson, we're longing to hear from you uh, with your uh, questions. So give us a call, 49216216, or is everything in your garden roses at the moment? <laughs> Speaking of which, David Peterson... Roses. Roses, yes. Where are they at at the moment? It is the season now for pruning roses. Certainly, as I keep saying, we need to leave our roses till a little bit late um, in the season because once upon a time, look, I was seeing people pruning roses in April, May, and, I mean, that's really, really early to be pruning roses. What's the problem with that? Well, the problem being, Jane, is particularly for people who are in fairly cold areas, it can you can prune them back, you'll get all these lovely young shoots, and then all of a sudden we'll get very, very cold, frosty conditions, and it burns all that young growth off. So... That's one reason why we actually prune them very late in the season. And when I say late, I really mean probably late July, early August. Even if, as I just said earlier, if you've got roses that are still in full bloom, leave them alone and certainly prune them once we get into August because that's not too late. That way you can be assured that they will grow really quickly back to life and give you your first lot of flowers. Just remembering when you prune your roses that you do need to spray them with a product called lime sulphur. Once again, that lime sulphur is used used basically only during the winter months. It's used to seal all the cuts that you've made on your rose and also to kill any old scale that may be left on the rose from the previous season. So that clears all that. Remembering also to spray around the the ground area because that may be harbouring a little bit of um, disease as well. So that gets rid of all of that and then you can go ahead and feed them and of course mulch them ready for that oncoming season. Just remembering too, once they do shoot away, that the you'll have all that beautiful young growth and I can assure you you'll get aphids straight away on that beautiful young growth which are those pesty little insects that just cover the entire young growth so then you've got to start spraying them with just your complete rose spray now with complete rose sprays these days you'll find that there'll be a fungicide as well as an insecticide in that one spray so you don't need to mix two together you can just spray the rose spray that will get rid of your aphids and also having a fungicide in it will prevent black spot now this is a very very major point with black spot once you've got black spot on your 
your roses, it is so difficult to get rid of and we want to try and prevent that from happening and by spraying it with one of your complete rose sprays, hopefully we'll cross our fingers that you do not get black spot for that season. But it's a religious thing, Jane. You've got to spray them every two weeks to keep that black spot away. Otherwise, I can assure you, in very hot, humid conditions, if you haven't sprayed them that often, you will get black spot. Mm-hmm. Gardening talk back and taking your calls. 49216216. Len, we're going out to Talara and finding out your question. Hello, Len. Oh, hello, David. Uh, I've got a an African violet. Yes. And I've had it in the house and it sort of looks a bit droopy, sort of. I'm just wondering whether I should put it out and put it out in the sun for a while. No, no. If you put it out into the sun, Len, you'll actually find it'll get sunburnt because the moment that sun comes out and that gets directly onto it, it's just like you or me going out into the sun for the very first time. You will get sunburnt, so will the African violet. So just make sure inside that it's in a very well-lit area, preferably on a windowsill where it's getting the afternoon sun. That's very, very good, but make sure it's behind a curtain. So once again, it's not getting the direct sunlight directly onto it. Is is there a special uh, uh, food for it? There certainly is. There there is a fertiliser which is just called Kenrose African Violet Fertiliser. It's something you just dilute in water and you water it onto your African violets. The other thing too, Len, is make sure during the wintertime that you still keep it moist, not too wet, but you're not just forgetting about, it, forgetting about it at all, that sometimes it can dry out, and that can often cause it to look very weepy as well. Oh, OK, David. All right. OK, thank you. Thanks, Len. They're, such, they're such wonderful plants, African they violets, are. aren't they? If you they? get them to come into flower and they continue to flower, they are wonderful, but you've got to find just the right spot for them. <laughs> fussy pieces, mm-hmm. aren't they? Well, uh, Dawn's joined us now from Adamstown on 49216216. That's the number for you to get your question to David. Hello, Dawn. Hello. Hello, David. Hi. Um, I, I've got a kiwi fruit mm-hmm. that's been for five years and they haven't, flower, haven't fruited yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just wondering about pruning them. Do I prune them now? They're, they're just about lost all their leaves. Yes, you do. You actually prune the kiwi fruits during the winter months, just very similar to a grapevine. So, so can you do it can, now. yes, you can, mm-hmm. and then you will make sure that you feed them with a citrus fertilizer. Now, I know that sounds a bit strange for kiwi fruit, but when we say citrus fertilizer, that entails all fruiting things. So, pop that around yes, your kiwi okay. fruit, and also, Dawn, if you've got some potash, that's another really good thing to add to the ground as well, because remembering that potash is a flower and fruit. Producer. Producer. So it's not always in citrus fertiliser, so we can add that separately. You can add it all at the one time and water it all in at one time and certainly should hope that will create them to flower and fruit for you this next season. Now look, with kiwi fruits, yes, they do take sometimes a while to flower and fruit, but certainly five years is a good length of time. They should be really starting to flower by now. Well, I've threatened them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's good because, I mean, hopefully they have heard you. Um, but certainly... No, also, too, the other thing with the kiwi fruit is make sure you keep a really good mulch around them because they like to be kept nice and cool and moist throughout those hot summer months. Yes, yes. yes. And is it liquid potash or the granulated one? I would certainly add the granulated potash when you add the citrus fertiliser, so you're adding yeah. it all at once. And certainly once it starts to grow for the season, you can then add the liquid potash if you really want to give it just that little bit of extra boost. 
on about how often would I feed them with that? Okay, the liquid one, you, it is designed that you can actually use it once every two weeks if you wish. Okay. Uh, and one other question. Mm-hmm. I have a Banksia and it's just got all the old brushes still on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so will they just fall off? I've had it for a few years. No, it's, it's wise to actually prune those off because they will actually be forming the seed, which is something you particularly don't want. So if you can just go along and just trim those off, that way you're trimming the bush, shaping the bush at the same time, and you can do that now if you wish because that should shoot away in the springtime for you again. Yeah, well, the brushes are sort of down in the little V part of the, the branch. Oh, okay. Well, they should break off, Dawn. They should break yeah. off very, very easily. Yes, you only need to twist them or just bend them and they should break off easily okay. for you. And can I feed that or shouldn't I feed banks here? Or don't you do it? No, you can certainly feed uh, all natives and you can feed those with some blood and bone, which is a nice, safe, organic fertiliser. But you wouldn't do that until just about early spring. Okay. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, Dawn. And uh, Peggy from Katara South. Hello, Peggy. Oh, good afternoon, David. Well, firstly, I want to thank you for the demonstration yesterday and for me spending some extra time with my mouth watering over some of the plants (laughs) that I saw there yesterday. But I'll be able to decide which ones I would put into my new garden when I get it ready. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I have some lime, garden lime. Can I put it around hydrangeas? Well, if you put it around hydrangeas, you'll find that they will tend to go pink because that's exactly what the lime does. It sweetens the soil or changes the pH, so it goes much higher, and that will always turn your hydrangeas pink. Whereas if you've already got pink hydrangeas, it will intensify the pink even more so on them. Well, I wouldn't mind that anyhow. <laughs> well, anyhow, thank you very much, and thanks yesterday. For oh, look, you're, you're most welcome in the nursery at any time, Peggy, and wander around. Gardening talk back. That's what's in the news at the moment. Uh, we're taking your calls, 49216216. David Peterson is eager to hear your problems. Frank, you've rung in from Madawi. Hello, Frank. Hello, David. Um, it's a nice day today for gardening, isn't it? Yes, at least you won't get too warm out there today. That's true. Now, um, I have a plant in a basket hanging off a tree, and I think it's called a midnight plant. It comes out very rarely in a flower that only lasts one night. And it's white in colour? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. It's a huge flower, and it's very aromatic, you know. Yes. um, Can I propagate? Can I cut off um, the stems and replant it? Look, you certainly can. It is more of a summertime plant, that one, so it grows really actively during the summer months. So that would be the time when you could take cuttings from it uh, and plant them just in some seed-raising mixture or propagation mixture, and you should be able to get it to strike fairly readily. I mean, it is a fairly soft sort of growing plant, but try and, if you can, when you're taking cuttings, take cuttings from the firmer part of the, the plant because they're going to strike a little bit more readily than the very soft growth. But, yeah, you should be able to get it to strike. I'm just trying to wrap my brain to think of it while you were talking. I was trying to wrap it to think what the name of this plant is. Um, 
and midnight I just Brent, a midnight flower, uh, or... something like that. But it is, you know, one of those names just won't come to mind really quickly, and I'll probably think of it later. But yes, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. But as you say, the only time the flower ever comes out is at midnight, right in the middle of night. So you've got to basically go out there with the torch to see yeah. it. Otherwise, the, the following morning, that flower has just all shriveled up again. Yeah, it sags, but it it um it it hangs down and and then you can see it um swell and oh, okay. pops. Okay. You know, and you know, you know, like a day or two before, there's going to be pretty soon. It's going to happen. Yes, yes. But if you if you're not up at midnight, you miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. It's so a beautiful plant. Oh, it is a be- it is a beautiful plant. We'll see how you go with that, Frank. As I said, during the warmer months of the year. Thanks, Frank, for your call. That does sound lovely. I remember seeing a moonflower or something in Darwin. Yes, that that might be it. Yes, that might be what it's called, moonflower, yes. That sounds very technical, doesn't it? Yes. um, (laughs) (laughs) Comes out in the middle of the night. It's got another name on that moon. Isn't that terrible when it's bugging you to to want to get that name out but you just can't think of it? Yes, never mind. (laughs) We'll check the weather and that might help your thought processes for our sponsor, Hunter Motor Group, Maitland, for Subaru, Volkswagen, Honda and Isuzu Ute. We've got cloudy conditions, chance of a shower and 17 degrees at Tea Gardens. We're taking your calls on 49216216. Give us a ring with your question about something to do with your garden. And uh, David, uh, scale is something that affects a lot of different plants. Yes, uh, certainly is, and you can get many forms of scale, uh, Jane. The most common is the little shell that actually gets onto the plants, that actually sticks to the stems and sometimes even to the foliage. Uh, you, people often don't see it because they probably just think it's part of the plant, but it's actually just each one of those little bumps is an insect that actually is sucking the energy out of that plant. You can actually get the scale that looks like a big, oh, like it's just like a fluffy ball sitting on the white ball sitting on the stems. Actually, I saw, saw some of those yesterday. Uh, that's just another scale, and that just draws the energy out of the plant. Now, you really need to get on top of this because the ants actually carry the scale onto the plant. It's really weird how they work. They actually carry the scale onto the plant. Once the scale actually eats into the plant, causes sap to come out, that's exactly like what the ants like to eat. So you'll often see ants and scale on the one particular plant. Now, there is only one product that you need to use to get rid of that, and it's called anti-scale, and you'll just need to mix that up according to directions. Spray it all over your plant. Not heavily, just lightly, and make sure you repeat that in 14 days' time. Now, that will get rid of the scale. It won't necessarily fall off straight away, but certainly you'll kill the insect that's underneath that particular covering. So the best way to test it is if you just get a tissue and go out after a few weeks and just press it, and if there's no blood that comes out of the scale, you've killed it. If there's blood still there, you may need to just give another application. Mm, okay. And Liz from Clarence Town has rung 49216216. Hello, Liz. Hi, David. How are you? Good, thank you. That's good. I just wanted to help you out with the moonflower. Thank you. That's <laughs> what it's called. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much for that. I knew it had some other name, but obviously it's just moonflower because it comes out when the moon's out, of course. So. That's right. And it's so beautiful. Have you got one? Have you? 
I did have one many, many years ago, yes. Yes. You don't see a lot of them. You don't see a lot of them. I actually remember going past one fairly regularly once and it was just over a little archway and it had the remnants of the flower that had flowered the previous night. So therefore, you know, you'd miss the flower altogether. But it's so interesting to think that it actually comes out at night where most other things require light for them to come out. So, but yes, thank you very much for that, Liz. You're very welcome. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Bye-bye. And I hope your uh, your garden is looking good too, um, moonflower or not. <laughs> Isn't that a tropical flower? It is, it is. Yes, you mostly see it in the tropics and um, that's why you don't see a lot of them down here. I mean, I haven't had them for a few years within the garden centre, but I'm always on the lookout for them. Sounds really good. David Peterson is with us till one thirty today and we will be crossing to the news um, fairly soon, not just yet. So we're very happy to take your calls on 49216216. David. Yes? Let's see if we can fit in a quick one from Patricia. (laughs) Hello, Patricia. Hi, David. I heard you talking about the moonflower. Yes. Um, it's not called the Queen of Night or the Dutchman's Pipe, is it? No, no, that, that's different again. That's entirely different again. So oh, Dutch- I came in on the end of it. I thought, oh, goodness me, I have one of them here. Yes, Dutchman's Pipe, it certainly looks like a Dutchman's Pipe and it's entirely a different colour as well, where this moonflower is pure white when it's out in full bloom. Oh, lovely. And is it fragrant like the Dutchman's pipe? Extremely fragrant, yes, but only fragrant whilst it's out. So therefore, you've got to be out at night to actually be able to smell it. On a very still night, it's absolutely beautiful. Oh, wonderful. All right. Anyway, I enjoy your show immensely and it's good to always listen to you. Thanks, Patricia. It's good to hear Gardening Talk Back with you on Mondays after the midday news. And uh, have we have we got... Time for just a quick call. Let's see. Uh, Shirley. Hello, Shirley. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Um, we only not long turned on the radio, so we missed most of what you said about the moonflower. All right, okay. Um, we used to have one um, many years ago, and they are beautiful. It's, it's magical to watch them at the night time, watch the flowers come out. Yes. Uh, but we heard that they were poisonous. Okay, well, I would have I would have to research into that. I'd have to look up the moonflower, and perhaps if I do that between now and when I get back in a few weeks' time, I'll let you know on air. That David, we're going to well, we're talking about your calls, of course, on four nine two one six two one six, and we will get to Garth's call in just a moment. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, let's just run through the gift that I'm giving away at the end of the program, which consists of this beautiful salvia. Now, this one is a beautiful dark bluey purple coloured salvia. Uh, Really, really beautiful. It's one of the stronger growers, so make sure it's a backdrop in your garden. But look, they are tremendous to have. They take all extreme conditions under the sun in your garden, so they're a great plant to have. As well as that, a container of the Aquamagic, that's the re-wetting granules, and a box of the Fostrogen Rose Tonic, which of course it's right in rose season at the moment, as well as that, some other little um, sachets of harvest fertiliser in there as well. And of course that's going to one of our lucky callers right at the end of the program. And it might be you, 49216216. And Garth, you've got a question for David. Hello, Garth. Hello, David. How are you? Good. Uh, it's, it's not actually a question. I just want to get on the banter about the moon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. We just have to mention one particular oh. thing and everyone wants to get done chat about it. 
Yeah, I've actually been wanting to ring for ages about it. My <laughs> sister got given three seeds nine years ago. Right. And she, and she had them in, put them in a drawer and forgot about them and mm. found them last year, got them out and planted them, and two of the three grew. Wow. Um, she actually gave me one, and it's been the most amazing plant. It's like a vine, this one. It has heart-shaped leaves. Yes, that's right. And, yes. And it's, um, you know, I've got it growing over a little pergola in my backyard. Right. And it's just finished now, but it has been amazing. Um, we started off with the flowers just coming out um, spasmodically, but in the end it was just literally covered in flowers every night. Mm-hmm. And um, the most amazing perfume, and I actually sat and recorded one of them open because they opened. Oh, the okay. I was just going to say, yeah. have you got any pictures of the flower? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I had one, I've got a recording of it actually opening, and I did take heaps of pictures of okay. it. And, and the seed pods now are just, it's just, prolific with seed pods as well. So. Well, that's mm. that's actually good to hear that it does strike fairly easily from the actual seeds. So that's yes. for, for everyone else out there to take note of now that you can actually grow it quite well from seed. Now, Garth, tell me, you're in Raymond Terrace, but how did it take to the cold weather in Raymond Terrace? Well, as I said, it's just it's died back now. Yes. So we haven't had any frost that okay. I'm aware of, but it has died right back now. So I'm leaving it in just to see whether yeah. it's got a stem on it. The stem would be probably about three-quarters of an inch diameter at the base. Okay. Um, so I was just going to do a little bit of pruning and just leave the main stem there and just see that it comes back. Oh, it'll, it'll, it'll certainly shoot away once we get into the warmer weather again. Well, thanks very much, Garth, for cool. sharing that yeah. with us. Yeah, that's great to know. Um, they can wow, I can't believe all these calls after moonflower. Moon isn't it just great? It's amazing. They can grow quite big, can't they? Yeah, David? they're a climber, so therefore they're, they are a tropical thing, uh, so they will be quite vigorous during the warmer months. Uh, so you, I, as I said, I have seen it on just a little arch and it actually covered that arch very, very quickly. Otherwise, you can grow it on a fence. And as Garth said, it can die back during the winter months, so therefore it doesn't die completely and it will reshoot away once we get the warmer weather again. But thank you very much for all... All of those people that, that phoned in about the moonflower. Would it grow all right in a pot? No, because it will become very restricted in a pot unless the pot is extremely large and it would have to be quite considerably large for it to grow successfully. Your calls on 2 and URFM <laughs> 49216216. Jenny from Tea Gardens. Hello, Jenny. Hello, David. How are you? Good. That's good. My question is about a person. It's not about the moonflower. No, no, no. <laughs> I've heard all about the moonflower, about the person. Okay, what can I do for you with that? Uh, last year, with all that violent weather, I mm. didn't get any fruit. All the flowers, in November, all the flowers just dropped off. Mm-hmm. Is there anything I can do to hopefully stop that? Well, look, the only thing you can do when, it, as far as fruit trees when they are in flower is to keep them moist. If they, The combination of if the wind and the drying out of the soil will often cause the flowers to just shrivel up and uh, fall off. So, therefore, if you, if you keep around the ground fairly moist whilst they're in flower, because it's a very, very critical stage for anything, including citrus. If you, if you let citrus dry out when they're in flower, the flowers will just fall off straight away. So that is, that is the most important thing, that you keep the moisture up to it, uh, particularly when they are in flower and one if you've, if you've got them past the flowering stage you should be able to get them to fruit very very successfully because I didn't get any oranges either. Okay. So obviously, yeah, the hot wind. I mean, I know we did get it last year and it tended to affect a lot of people. I remember getting lots of calls after we had that particular occasion. So the most important thing, as I said, is to keep the ground moist. And also, too, even if you just give it some liquid potash throughout the uh, season when it is in flower and thereafter when it's gone into fruit, the potash will actually help the fruit mature into much better fruit for you. 
Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Jenny. And Cheryl from Cessnock now. Hello, Cheryl. Oh, hello, David. Um, yeah, look, I'm another um, Moonflower fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I have actually got another one too, I'll just tell you about too. But um, the Moonflower I had years and years ago, um, and when I just uh, tried to get it not rec- uh, fairly recently, they told me that they, they don't actually sell them because they're considered a pest. Okay. Um, but I did manage to get some seeds um, through um, a garden centre. But, uh, yeah, years ago I had it, and it is. It's uh, absolutely beautiful, and it does die back. I was in a really um, frost area. I lived in a real frost area, mm-hmm. and it died back. But <clears throat> the seeds, the seed pods just explode, and you get, like, plants coming up everywhere. I think that's why they're supposed to be a pest mm-hmm. now, but um, because they will grow up anything and they will actually strangle things. But um, they, the seed pods are very similar to golden rain tree. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Seed pods, they look mm-hmm. very much like those and they've got all little seeds all inside them and when they explode, they just go okay. for miles. So well, I used to um, just tie little um, sandwich bags around them so that it catch the seed pods as they exploded. Hmm, so they didn't go everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so um, I could control them, but oh, heaps and heaps of flowers and very perfume. But the flowers used to open about um, uh, dusk. Oh, yes, yes. So you didn't have to wait until it was really, really dark to be able to see them. Okay. They used to start opening when the sun went down. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could still enjoy them, but um, in the summertime, the, the perfume used to come inside the house and it was absolutely... And, and that's what I can remember, the perfume on those still nights. You could, it, it's really quite overpowering. So Absolutely, yes. absolutely beautiful. But the other one that I have too, which is very similar, but um, comes out through the day, obviously, is the snail creeper. Oh, yes, yes. That's another very, very nice climber. And for those people that don't know what that is, certain, no. the flowers actually look like a snail, but they're they a beautiful, mauvey, white, creamy sort of colour. And the perfume is really lovely on those. And the same thing, to, with those, Cheryl, is that they are like the uh, moonflower. They like the warmer weather. You very rarely see them during the winter, and of course, they sometimes yeah. go back during the winter as well. Yeah, so, mine dies back in the winter yes. time, but um, and then it gets seed pods like um, a bean. It looks like a bean, right? Um, grows like a bean and then you just wait for it to go brown and then you can collect the seeds out of that. Well, look, this is really interesting. Everyone's tell it, to, uh, teaching me something today about the moonflower and about the um, the, uh, the the snail plant. I, I would look, look, I'd love anyone that's out there that has a little plant of the moonflower to drop it into me. I'd really like to try and grow one of those in one of my, in my new home. So. Two and you RFM's Gardening Talkback and David Peterson taking your calls and we're going to get through as many as as we can between now and when David leaves at half past one today. Starting off with Ines, who's running, running, rung in is the word, from World's End. Hello, Ines. Hello, it's Ines. Yes. Ines, N-I-N-E-Z. Okay. <laughs> wow, that's unusual. It is. It's a Spanish name. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm ringing about is the flower. The moon flower. It is called the Lady of the Night. Lady of the Night, okay. Yes, and it's it's the one that comes out only the once um, and then droops the next day. Yes. My ex-husband had a couple of them and um, he's very good with plants and things and he knows all about it. And my sister had one as well. Right. 
but they are called the Lady of the Night because my nephew just got it up on the computer. Right. And they showed the Moonflower, but it was nothing like the Lady of the oh, Night. Okay, okay. So we may be talking about two different things here, do you think? I think you are. Yes. Because I don't think the Lady of the Night is a climber. Oh, okay, okay. It comes up on one big, long stem. Yes. Well, I'm going to have to do some research when I go back to work this afternoon to just find out exactly um, the, the difference so. between these two. Well, thank you very much for your call. Setting us straight. Thank you. <laughs> and Keith now from Swansea. Hello, Keith. Hello, David. I've got a request. Yes. Can we get the show prolonged into the afternoon <laughs> a bit more? Because I'd like to take this time for me propagating and all that type of stuff. And it's too quick. Well, well, I'm afraid, Keith, um, the show is quite long compared to any other garden show as it is. So yeah, I, I feel very privileged to actually have this length of period of time. And, oh, Keith, you, great, can, you can always check if you want to listen again. There, are, It'll be podcast yeah, podcasts, through exactly. our website, 2NURFM.com. So you'll uh, be able to... No, I, I just... I enjoy it and it gives me time to um, do it while I'm doing my propagation. So. <laughs> Good on and you, Keith. The, the moonflower. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's fairly commonly known as a, uh, the fairy's windflower. Oh, okay. There's another name for it. Story. Thank, Thank you, you for that, Thank you very Keith. much, Keith. Yes. Aren't we getting some interesting... Great. My goodness. Great information. <laughs> and uh, we are, of course, taking your calls <laughs> on uh, moonflowers and other things <laughs> in the garden. And uh, Carmel joins us now from Charlestown. Hello, Carmel. Yeah, hi, David. How are you today? Good, thank you. I'm well, too. Uh, David, I have got a massive... Oh, pretty big passion fruit vine. Yes. And... It's totally in the wrong place, mm-hmm. and I've been—I've got no more passion fruits on it now, but I have up till now, and they've ripened on my vine. Mm-hmm. Now, can I cut it down? Because I really can't get down my side path because it's overhanging my path. But you still want to leave it there, Carmel. I do. Okay, now let's certainly okay. You can actually cut your passion fruit back. I wouldn't do it just yet, if possible. Leave it until at least September, September. and then you can yes, you can cut it back really hard if you wanted to, and it will reshoot back out again for you. But you must feed it after you've pruned it back, so right. that you can encourage all that nice young growth. But no, that's perfectly okay to cut your passion fruit back. It actually does benefit by cutting your passion fruit back every I year. It might yes. It's so big now and a few of the leaves on it and the stems are getting brown. Yes, yes. And I'm thinking, oh, they need to be cut off. Yes. No, well, certainly it's a great it's a great time to do it in September for all those grow that grows passions because passion fruit only fruit on their new wood, so they don't want all that old wood. So by cutting it back, you're forming new growth and you'll have a much better crop out of your passion fruit. Excellent. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmel. And that's great. Uh, to a new RFM's gardening talkback, 49216216. It's 24 past one at the moment. And Peter now has rung in from Wallsend. Hello, Peter. 
G'day, David. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, just a very quick question, if I may. I want to plant some um, uh, shrubs across the back fence to act as privacy from our neighbours who now built a deck and look, will, will look straight into our kitchen or our living room. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put in there, I was thinking of putting, I think it's Fertinia robustus or robusta. Yep, yep. Um, they grow, I understand, about three or four metres. Um, the problem is between the fence and we've got a retaining wall which goes to about a metre high, there's only a gap between the fence and the retaining wall of about 60 centimetres. And I'm concerned as to what the roots of the Fertinia may do to the retaining wall. Will they uh, cause pressure against it, uh, crack it? Uh, should I be looking at a different shrub or a different uh, tree? Well, look, certainly what I would suggest, rather than the Fertinia robusta, because that is the tallest growing variety out of the Fertinias, I would go down to one that's called Red Robin. It actually grows a little bit more moderate in height. For actual fact, the Fertinia robusta can reach up to around about five and six metres in height, which is very, very tall. So go to the Red Robin. It is a much better variety. It has the more intense red foliage, and it, it should be much better in those sorts of conditions. As far as the root system goes, as long as you've got plenty of depth of soil for the root system to go down in it shouldn't affect anything on either side it's only when things become restricted with their growth of their root system that it they will like literally force themselves uh, yes, out yes, of the ground yes, so, so, yes. so well there's about there's a big about a meter of uh, dirt behind the wall and then then they can go down into the earth itself after that. No, well, that's fine. That sounds perfect. It is one of the better ones to use. And as I said, it has a more intense red colour when you do All prune right. it back. So it's just called Red Robin. David, what height do they grow? About three metres? They, they grow three to four metres in height. Oh, okay. uh, so they're a Thanks. little bit more reasonable than the Robusta. Yep, that'll be excellent. Okay, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for that, Peter. And uh, we're almost at the end. We might have time for just one more. But what do you think? What do I think? Well, let's just run through this gift first of all in case we do have one last caller there. It, of course, it, it is the uh, salvia. It is the really dark purpley blue-coloured salvia, the stronger growing out of all the salvias. As well as that, I've got a bucket of the Aquamagic, which is the re-wetting granules, and, of course, the box of the Fostigen Rose Tonic. And, of course, the sachets of Harvest Liquid Fertiliser. Now, of course, that's going to go to our... Uh, caller, and do we go do this last call, Jane? Or I think we should. Okay. And uh, our very last caller for today is Frank. Hello, Frank. Hello, Frank. Um, I was the guy that initiated all your moonflower stories. <laughs> okay, then. What can I do for you? Um, yeah, mine's not a climbing plant. It's, okay. it's more like a zygote cactus. Okay. Um, you know, and, and that's um, that, that's the one that we had the other call from a while ago, which is called uh, Lady of the Night. So that's it, what it, my plant. Okay, that's what my plant is, okay. Yeah, so this is. I, I, I researched it, and um, that that rang a bell as soon as I heard the lady call and say that. That's what my flower okay. is, and it is. All right, so that, that's a, that's a zygopetalum variety, and it belongs to the zygo cactus family. So, isn't it amazing, Frank, from just one little comment that you made that it sparked all of those people calling in? 
Oh, I haven't been able to go back to work. I've been <laughs> everyone calling about it. So thank you very much for that. So you have the Lady of the Night, which is the one that still once again flowers during the night. And, of course, the Moonflower is the Climber, which is the tropical climber, which has more or less a creamy white flower as well. So thank you very much for calling back, Frank. That's all right. That's great to hear a moonflower and lady of the night. Here we go. We've got two wonderful yeah, we plants. Have. No doubt we can do probably a whole program on that once again, Jane. <laughs> yes, indeed. So the prize today is actually going to Dawn of Adamstown. Dawn rang us about the kiwi fruit and the banksia that she wanted to prune back. So well done, Dawn. All you really need to do is make your way to Walls End Community Nursery. That's on the corner of Crowdis and Lake Road, Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where there will be a new gift to give away next Monday. But, of course, I won't be here, Jane, next Monday. So we will still have gardening talk you back, You will. Though. You'll have David Pondman coming in for the next two weeks while I'm up north enjoying the sunshine, I hope. And uh, looking for moon plants and <laughs> ladies <laughs> of the night, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. So I'll see you then. Uh, perhaps, uh, yes, I may see you then or I'll see, yes, see David when yes, he gets back. Yes, it will all happen. Yes. Thank you very so much. So Gardening Talkback returns next uh, Monday after the midday news on 2NURFM. Thank you, David Peterson. Yes.